The valuable blood of Christ is front and center today on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. Perhaps you're in the middle of what you describe as the worst trial of your life. You know, that was the case for the hurting, scattered believers that Peter was writing to. You'll want to hear what he has to say about the precious blood of Christ today on Abounding Grace. These are words you'll want to cling to when times are tough and you're struggling. So join us in 1 Peter chapter 1, where Pastor Ed Taylor focuses on verses 17 through 21. True meaning comes to your life and mine by the blood of Jesus Christ. Then it makes sense. Then you know that when you receive a raise, it's so that you might give more unto the cause of Jesus Christ. So you know that when you're given a promotion, God has entrusted you more people to care for, not to boss around. That You know, when God entrusts more to you, it's for His purposes. Now there's a purpose, no longer aimless. You have a target, and that's eternity. And he's saying, you know, because when, I, I also understand that when you're going through a trial, it feels like you're making no progress. It feels like life has stopped and stalled. And it begins to feel like, well, maybe I'm just going back to my aimless ways. And then, of course, for those of you that couldn't resist temptation and during a great trial or being scattered like these, you, you start drinking again. And then it really feels aimless. You might pick up an old drug habit. You might go back to a bad relationship. You... You may find yourself, you know, angry or clubbing again or whatever it is that, and you start going backwards and then you really begin to, and now you're a believer rebelling against what you know to be true and like it's just overwhelming. And Peter's saying, look, if that's you and you're just out of control, like you are no longer in that aimless life. It's time to come back to holiness and repent. Remember the Lord high and lifted up. Remember that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, the beginning of knowledge. Your problem is not your trial. Listen, your problem is not the trial and what they're doing to you and how they're treating you and all that. That's not your problem. Your problem is you lack the fear of the Lord. That's your problem. Your eyes are not on the Lord. You've stopped running your race. And when you no longer fear the Lord, then you're open to all kinds of sinful temptations and quite frankly stupid decisions that only make things worse and not better. You weren't bought out of slavery to sin with coins or dollar bills or bitcoin but with the highly esteemed blood of the lamb. There are not enough coins and money. They can't print enough money in the world forever and a day to pay the price for the forgiveness of your sins and the deliverance of your soul. Only the blood of Jesus Christ can forgive you and deliver you from your sins. That's it. You know, our world has a standard of value. It's measured in the almighty dollar. That seems to be very, very important for many people. Not just to live on it, not just to make it do, not just to have a little extra for some special things, but, but like People live for the dollar. 
And they die for the dollar. And they give up their marriages for the dollar. And they let the world raise their kids for the dollar. That's how the world measures things. Money, money, money. The more money you make, the more valuable you are. The world has said, this is what we'll value. And you know, as well as I do, in some of, some of your professions, the dollar amount of what you make can make the difference between the respect you have in the board meeting. <laughs> it, it can make the difference between your, not, maybe not even the dollar value, maybe just your title has, makes all the difference in the world of how you're viewed by your peers. Because that's a different value system. But Jesus, he tells Peter, and he tells us again today, and Peter reminds us, God says, what I call clean, don't you call unclean. Everybody's clean the same way, equal at the foot of the cross, by the blood of Jesus Christ. Not the what the world values. The Bible tells us earlier in the Old Testament, you know, money has a way of just following through your fingers, like bags with holes in it. And just what you have, it goes away. But what you wasted to get it, time never comes back. You see, the world has said that this is what we will value. And this is what we'll protect with our lives. And this is what we'll lock up in vaults deep beneath the earth. Gold, silver, diamonds. But they're not going to last, are they? It won't last. Would you hold your places here in Matthew chapter 6? Would you turn back with me, please? Matthew chapter 6. I want you to see this. You can jot it down, but I want you to see it in your own Bible. Would you look at Matthew chapter 6 and hear Jesus' view of those, that which this world values. The things that are important, like respect and honor and dignity and loyalty and care and concern and empathy, our world doesn't value that very highly. But money, gold, silver, rocks, diamonds, emeralds, whatever, man, that seems to be super important. Notice what Jesus says. Jesus says very clearly, chapter 6, verse 19, mark it, circle it, highlight it, put a dollar sign next to it so you can remember. This is what Jesus says. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Now, this is not a teaching not to put some money away for savings or to be prepared for a rainy day. We see that in other places. Even the ministry of Jesus, they had enough extra money with them that they had it in a money box. That's not what Jesus, he's speaking to the heart, to the kingdom principle, that you are now part of a different kingdom. You are a citizen of heaven first. And citizens of heaven lay up for themselves treasures in heaven. That every dollar, every stone, whatever it might be, is investing in the spiritual eternality of another person, a soul. And it's not what the world values. Look, the more you live in this world, the more you shop in this world, the more you take in the media of this world, the more you take in the advertising of this world, the more you're going to think and talk and act like this world. And, and you, you know, you know, you spend more time in the world, just in your marketplace than you do in this church building, listen to Bible studies. And some of you have the privilege of listen. You get to listen to Grace FM or Bible studies while you're working, but it's, it's kind of going to your subliminal, right? Because you've got to do your job first. You've got to do a good job, and you don't want to be in a place where you're all distracted. So you take in the Word, that's great, but still your job has to get your best. And you want to be careful that you don't pick up the value system of this world and you're always laying, so that you don't get a vision one night and the Lord tells you to do something and your answer in the vision is, not so, Lord. 
And then three times, four times, ten times, God says, no, no, you've got to understand. I just told you to do something. I just gave you an illustration that is unbelievably clear. And it could be a, a vision. I, I mean, I think God speaks far more. I, I mean, I don't think this. I believe it. I know it to be true. God speaks far more clearly through the teaching of his word than he does in dreams and visions. There are clear things you hear in any Bible study. So you guys that love Bible study, don't just become a Bible study snob. Act on what you hear. Take it all in and then obey it. And don't go around, oh, I heard a great Bible study on the radio. That, oh, fan, fantastic. What did you do? I heard a Bible study. <laughs> well, what'd you learn? I don't know. It was a great Bible study. Well, what, what did the Lord tell you to do? Look, I told you it was a good Bible study. What more do you want? Well, if James was here, he would say, don't be hearers only, but doers of his word. Don't become a connoisseur of Bible studies. Become a doer of God's word. That's what Peter's saying in the midst of trials. This is the whole context. Every single thing you and I are going to learn in 1 Peter is to, every, to a group of people that are absolutely suffering the worst trial of their lives. He says, this is what you, this is what you do. You see, not only is money not going to last, precious stones, everything not going to last, but the Bible teaches that there are many more things more precious than gold. Did you know that? Hey, let me just read them to you. I'll jot them down. I'll give you the scriptures. Uh, you can look them up later. You can jot them down. For people that don't believe me, the Bible says, I have at least five things here that are more important than money, that are more valuable than any of the precious stones of money. Number one, wisdom is more valuable. Job chapter 28, verse 15. The word of God is more valuable. The law, the precepts, the testimonies. Psalm 19, verses 7 through 10. The commandments of God. Think of this. The commandments of God are more valuable than money. And precious stones, according to Psalm 119, verse 127. Knowledge from God's more valuable. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 12 through 14. And the fruit that comes from wisdom. Just what, the, what comes through a wise life is more valuable. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 17. There's a lot more in the Bible, but think of it. These are things that aren't much valued today, but they're more valuable than gold. And there's still one more thing that the Bible says that is more precious than gold. And that's the precious blood of Jesus Christ that redeemed your soul. By why you and I are forgiven today. You know, there's a big search today. Uh, there, you may be involved in this. Or might, they call it the midlife crisis, but it's not always a midlife crisis. But there's a big search today for meaning and significance. I need to find my purpose in life. I need to find my significance in life. And, and it's all just a lie. Your significance, believer, I'll tell you right now, is found by your faith in Jesus Christ. He'll tell you how to live your life. You are significant. You don't need to find significance. You are significant. How much more needs to be given in exchange for your life than the blood of Jesus Christ? You are significant. But there is this press, this push to find significance. Secular psychologists would even tell you, and perhaps a few Christian psychologists along the way, maybe a good friend, maybe a sister, you know, maybe the girlfriends when you're out getting a mani-pedi might say, you know, I know your problem. I know the problem. You need to find yourself. That's your problem. You, you need to find yourself. But the reality is most people apart from Jesus Christ already are already full of themselves. Self-centered and self-oriented. They don't need to find themselves. They're caught up with themselves. That's their problem over-concerned with themselves. But still people would say, well, you know, this is an issue of self-esteem. We need to build up self-esteem. Listen, I believe very firmly that a view of yourself in a positive light is vital. But it doesn't come from the approval of man. 
you want to use the phrase, I'm not opposed to it. You want to use the phrase self-esteem, then have self-esteem the right way. To know that you have been valued by the blood of Jesus Christ. And you are loved, even if your mother and father forsake you. Which is a great place of esteem, is it not? You gain a lot of approval and affirmation from our parents and those that are loved. Even if our loved ones abandon us, our parents abandon even if we're dealing with the deep pain of that, your esteem comes not from self, but from Jesus. You can use the word of self-esteem. I have no problem with that because you experience it in yourself. But listen, your problem is not you don't need to find yourself. Your problem is you need to lose yourself. Die to yourself. That's where the issue is. The Bible tells us that self is pretty gross. The Bible says this, Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? To which people in the new covenant will go, well, wait a minute, you're a new creation in Christ. Your heart isn't deceitful. No, no, you're just filled with flesh now. So now your whole body's all deceitful. And then what does this world say? Just follow your heart. Yeah, you're going to leave your wife, leave your kids, run off. Just follow your heart. No, repent of your sins and stay back and make it work for the sake of your wife and kids. That's the word of the Lord. Don't follow your heart. Your heart's deceiving you right now. Your heart's deceiving you. I know it's hard right now. And the world says, let's go ahead and rob that bank. No, don't rob that bank. Don't try to steal that turkey and put it under your jacket and walk out. Don't go against common sense. Trust the Lord, not your heart. And if you do trust your heart, let it be formed and fashioned by the Holy Spirit not just your emotions. Have you not found by now that your emotions are real as real can be? But don't they lie to you a lot? (laughs) Don't you lie? I mean, I'll tell you what, if you watch any of these fail videos, you know, in those, these epic fail videos where somebody's doing riding a bike and all of a sudden they're falling off and they hit their head and you laugh, that's not an appropriate time to laugh. But your emotions get the best of you. And the way they frame it. And sometimes they even set it up where the guy never even got hurt. They set it up and they get you to laugh at something that isn't laughable at all. That's an emotion that's not telling you the truth. Even within a good frame, scripted, put together movie where they can move your emotions. They can get you to be so emotional about an adulterous relationship where you just want it to happen. They can set the setup. They can set it all up where you don't like the, this guy and you don't like, and you start to champion sin in just a, a movie because they can manipulate your emotions. You know, if they can do that on the movie screen, what do you think the temptations of the enemy can do in your life to manipulate your emotions? Our righteousness, what we think is good, according to the Bible in Isaiah 64, 6 says, we are all like an unclean thing. Jot it down, Isaiah 64, 6, Jeremiah 17, 9. You might want to memorize these. We're all an unclean thing, and all of our righteousness are like filthy rags. A conduct apart from Jesus is filthy. And that's what you'll find when you go out to seek for yourself. Men, there are countless even spiritual books out there some even in Christian bookstores, where they still exist, they're going to tell you, man, you got to be a man. This is what a real man is. You need to run to the woods and bang a drum, and you need to go, 
you know, be a real man and you got to be wild and be untamed and let your natural part of you come out. And really? Ladies, there are countless books for you too telling you to leave your kids behind and go find yourself in the world. You deserve it. Be independent. Be free. But the Bible says, I'm to die to myself and live to Christ. It's through his death and resurrection that purpose and meaning come into my life. And even when my world is spinning out of control, as we see here, that we've been purchased with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, even when my world is spinning out of control, it's not outside the will of God. Notice verse 20. For he, and he was for, foreordained before the foundation of the world. This was the plan and purpose of God for Jesus to come, but it was made manifest in these last times. Mark these words. Circle them. Jesus was made manifest for you. Of billions of people that have been on the planet, there are billions of people alive right now. But only a few are listening to this Bible study because God's got a word for you. And even as the word of God goes out to many, God has a word for you. Even though we're using the same text, the same notes, God has a word for you. And so this was all for God knew ahead of time how he would do, what he would do, how he would do it. Notice, he was made manifest, verse 20, in these last times for you, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that what? Your faith and hope are in God, not in this world. Your faith and hope are in God, not in this world. Your faith and hope can't be in this world. This world is not going to last. It's not going to be here forever. You're not going to be here forever. You don't need to find yourself. You need to find the Lord. Come back to the fear of God. You, you don't need to subscribe to some list of things a church tells you to do. Just fear God. Worship Him. You know, if you were to meet the CEO of your company today, you'd be nervous around Him, no doubt. Why? He's just a man. She's just a woman. Well, there's a natural respect towards someone that has authority over you. It's just natural. You can't do anything about it. You know, if you are doing the speed limit and you're pulled over by a police officer, there's a natural respect. You start getting nervous. You didn't even do anything wrong. There's a natural respect for those that are in authority. You're nervous around someone. It's a taste of that sense of fearing and awe and respect for their position. You don't even know the person. And yet because of the role that they're in, you have respect them. But think of God. He's in a place of absolute respect, but you know him. And the problem right now in your life is not that you are going through a great trial. The problem in your life is you're not fearing God. And when you don't fear God and you start fearing man or you start fearing the outcome of this trial, you start to make really bad decisions. Unfortunately. My confidence is not in this world. My faith and hope is not in this world. My confidence, my faith and hope is in the Lord, not in myself. Does anyone want to amen that? Are you guys still with me? We're almost done. My confidence is not in this world. It's in the Lord. Your confidence not in this world. It's in the Lord. He's our rock. He's my hope. He's our strength. And you're valuable. Your value has everything to do with what was paid for you. The precious blood of Jesus Christ. Precious, the word that means costly, of the highest value. So as you are looking for purpose, purpose is at the cross. We look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. We don't need self-help books. 
We don't need to be hypnotized. We don't need to know what our astrology says. We don't need to be rocked to sleep by this world or put our hope in man or put our hope in some political system. I don't care where that system is. Our hope is in the Lord. That's it. There's no other place. Nowhere, anywhere. Not only do we need to live it, we need to teach our kids and our grandkids to put their hope in the Lord, to trust in God. We need to be talking about God around the house like Deuteronomy teaches us. We need to be answering our kids' questions with the Word of God. And you go, well, Ed, that's your job. You're the pastor. No, I didn't always have the answers either. I needed to read the Bible. I needed to listen to Bible studies like you, like I still do to this day. I need to take notes of what God's saying through the pastor, but also what God's saying to me. If God has a word for me, I want to hear it. I want to receive it. I want to pass it down to those that are around me. I want to be able to say, hey, you know, there'll be times even in our staff meeting where God has spoken to me by another pastor, and I'm not going to lead the staff meeting. We pull down the screens, we watch that pastor together because God has a word for us. And it was delivered through that guy. And I go, amen, that's what we want to hear. This is the word of the direction that God's given to us. It resonates with my heart. Listen, God is with you no matter what you're going through. And if you ever forget, don't try to find yourself. Go back to the cross where everything's put into perspective, where Jesus Christ died for you. He was taken down and buried. Three days later, he rose again from the dead. He's alive now, ascending in the, ascended into heaven, seated a place of authority and finality at the right hand of the Father. Isn't that great? You're going to join him one day, believer. You're going to be with the Lord. Your faith and hope are going to be made real in the presence of the Lord. It's going to be good. Don't forget that. Well, we've been in the book of 1 Peter today on Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed Taylor is our teacher, and he's the pastor of Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. You can hear this message again when you visit us online at AboundingGraceRadio.com or hear Abounding Grace through our app. Search for Ed Taylor in the App Store or Google Play to download that for free today. Still looking for a stocking stuffer or a meaningful gift for that special someone in your life? I'd like to suggest our resource of the month, a book by Lee Strobel called The Case for Christmas. Taking the approach of a journalist, Lee Strobel searches out the true identity of the child in the manger. He consults experts on the Bible, archaeology, and messianic prophecy. We'll send it your way when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. Please remember, this radio ministry is made possible through your generous support. And as the year comes to an end, this would be a wonderful time to hear from you. And you can place a resource request when you call toll-free at 877-30-GRACE. Again, that's 877-30-GRACE. You can also order resources like this at calvaryco.store, calvaryco.store. And if you just like to make a donation to the ministry, you can do that online at aboundinggraceradio.com. Hey, thank you again for helping us reach out through the radio with the gospel and truth of Jesus Christ. Pastor Ed, we love reading listener emails and letters around here. So let me ask you, how are you personally encouraged when a listener takes the time to write or call? And how can folks connect with us? Well, let me tell you, Larry, literally not a day goes by that we don't receive a note in the mail or an email uh, telling us and sharing with us a testimony and an encouragement from Abounding Grace. So I just want to say thank you guys. 
Uh, how am I personally encouraged? I mean, I just was reading a couple on my desk today, and just encouraged to know that God would allow us to be such a small part of His huge work in your life. And I invite you, please email me. Uh, you can email me personally at ed at edtaylor.org, ed at edtaylor.org, uh, or you can go to our website, aboundinggraceradio.com, uh, you know, our church, calvaryco.church, email us all through that. Email is the best way, but you could also jot, drop a card in the mail, uh, U.S. Postal Service, uh, send it here to the church. Just go to our website, calvaryco.church, and our address is on the website. Um, we would love to hear from you. Uh, you could call us. Uh, the church number's on the website. I'd love to hear from you um, and know that you are being blessed by the Word here, and it keeps us strong, keeps us encouraged. We hope to hear from you soon. So before the day is done, please send off an email or pick up the phone and call us. We'll get back into First Peter tomorrow on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We'll see you then. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.